Welcome to 7-Minute Hepatology. I'm joined today with Liz Lee, NP at UHN. Welcome, Liz. Oh, why, thank you, Rohit. Thanks for having me. So today we're talking about alcohol use disorder. So starting off, uh, why do you think it's important for hepatologists to be aware of it and manage this? Well, I think one of the biggest things is that it's actually a pretty common etiology of the patients that we do see in our practice. And um, particularly in the individuals I see in the post-discharge clinic, probably more than 50% of the patients I see have an underlying liver disease etiology related to alcohol. And so I think that being able to be able to serve these patients a bit better, having a little bit more understanding of the clinical management, I think can really help with facilitating some benefits for our patients overall. When you're considering starting treatment, what factors do you look at? Yeah, so some of the different factors that I think about are, are they still actively drinking alcohol? Um, that's definitely one of the things I think about. I also think about how bad their liver function is. So um, being able to, because that could dictate what type of pharmacological therapy could be available. Um, I do also think about uh, drug coverage also as well. Um, but and I also look at their renal function too. So those are some of the main factors I think about. And how are you choosing one agent over another? For me, um, going back to some of the pieces related to whether they are actively drinking alcohol or the liver synthetic function, that would dictate what type of management, what type of pharmacological therapy could be potentially available to the individual. So if their liver synthetic function is normal and uh, they are actively drinking alcohol, then naltrexone, in fact, is actually a pretty good pharmacological therapy that could be offered to the individual. Um, otherwise, if they're if they have child's B, child C, cirrhosis, then these are generally individuals that I would avoid using naltrexone because it is hepatically metabolized. Um, then I would consider pharmacological therapies like gabapentin or baclofen. Um, if they are someone who is now abstinent for over a period of 48 to 72 hours, then the use of something like acamprosate could be very effective to help with extending the period of abstinence um, in preventing relapse. Do you have any particular preference of drug that you like to use or any tips or tricks that you could give us? Sure. Yeah, I think so for me in my practice, um, especially with managing patients that are a bit on the sicker end of the spectrum, um, naltrexone typically is not a pharmacological agent that I'm using very often in my practice. Um, I'm in baclofen, while it actually has been um, studied in patients with advanced liver disease, it's actually not a pharmacological therapy that we use that often in our clinical practices, just because we do find that our patients don't seem to, uh, they seem to feel very drowsy on baclofen, but that's more anecdotal. So in fact, I'm using a lot of gabapentin in my practice. Um, and I also use acamprosate a lot in my practice also as well. Again, related to whether they have abstained. Um, and obviously we hope that they all do abstain, but we, um, you know, if they are actively drinking alcohol, then gabapentin is actually fairly effective. And typically the starting dose for these individuals, like I start with like a loading dose, like so just 300 milligrams. Um, and then we could bring it up to BID, then TID, and then you can actually increase it to up to a max dose of 600 milligrams POTID. 
And so a lot of people are hesitant about starting. Uh, what would you say to them? I, I would say, well, why not? Um, you know, like I, I think that that's never stopped us from treating other uh, liver disease etiologies like hepatitis B or hepatitis C. Um, and, you know, I think we should think a little bit about why we don't have a hesitancy in treating those particular liver diseases, but why it's so difficult to treat, um, you know, alcohol-associated liver disease or alcohol use disorder, especially when we know that that's the underlying etiology and that's what makes a difference in terms of uh, how they could improve um, biochemically. So if you had to recommend one paper to read more on this topic, what would you recommend? Sure. Um, the paper that I would uh, recommend reading is actually a pretty nice review paper that was done by JP Arab, um, and he's done it with a number of other esteemed colleagues, and it's um, called Management of Alcohol Use Disorder in Patients with Cirrhosis in the Setting of Liver Transplantation, um, and this was in Nature Review's Gastro and Hepatology. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. My final thoughts on this topic is that the current system isn't working. So many of our patients aren't receiving the behavioural therapy or the phar pharmacotherapy required to assist with them in dealing with alcohol use disorder. We can either wait for a perfect system or upskill ourselves. There's a lot of courses and webinars that are available to help with getting comfortable with the medications to use in alcohol use disorder and also courses on motivational interviewing that are worth completing. If you want to find out more information, there's also a CASL single topic conference on alcohol and social liver disease coming out on October 14th that I would highly recommend. Thank you so much for joining us on our first podcast. This series focuses on clinical hepatology and the tips and tricks to improve your clinical care. Uh, we'll be doing this twice a week. Uh, join us next time. Thank you.